What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. You know, we started to really start just recording on Wednesdays now, mostly because of my fault. Um, no Tuesday episode because uh, Joe worked a long night and uh, yours truly, his phone died and then was a total asshole and ignored his text message that he sent out. So Joe's not really uh, on the same wavelength with me right now, but it kind of worked out because the biggest news in sports took place today. And that is Tom Brady retiring. We've got a lot to say, but my co-host Joe Ciccoletti in the building. How are we doing? Uh, doing great. Welcome back, folks, to the listening here on the final whistle. Yeah, news broke this morning. Tom Brady going into his second retirement once again. Um, I saw Gronkowski, um, you know, gave him a shout out and said, look, I'm not writing you no long message, but you and me are the only ones to retire twice in a career. Uh, it's great stuff. Good for Tom. I was kind of unexpected today, but I should have expected it because last year, 2022, February 1st, Tom Brady retired the first time. Let's not forget that, folks. So I'm not shocked with today that it happened. Um, tough to see the GOAT go. I mean, right, hands down, he's definitely the GOAT. No yeah, question. I mean, so like, you know. I will, I wake up around like I, I slept in today. I worked a long night last night. But Joe, I wake up to a text from Joe. He said, You better get your butt up. I'm tired. And I'm like, what? So I start watching all of the sports talk and all that. And I was like, I mean, did you hear what Mike Francesa said on first take today? And how like Stephen A and Mad Dog were all like, Tom Brady goes down the goat because of just all of like the extra things. But he was like, Hey man, he's the best regular season quarterback ever. Joe Montana is the best Super Bowl quarterback ever. But if you add everything together, that's how Tom Brady equals the goat. And I was like, I was thinking about it. Like as they were talking about, it, I was like, man, that can't be right. But yeah, I, I, I personally think it's not even really close to Tom Brady's the goat. It shouldn't, there shouldn't be much of a debate in my opinion. What about you? I agree. I I think in terms of the uh, NFL realm, he is the goat of all goats. I mean, look at it in Super Bowl perspective, right? Has won the most Super Bowls ever. Um, has all the accolades. Um, in terms of you know passing yards, touchdowns, and whatnot from there. Um, right. you know had a longevity career of what twenty years. I mean, that's unheard of in uh Ridiculous. in this world and day and age. But yeah, no, he's the goat. Question though. Top okay. three goats of all time. It doesn't just have wow. to be NFL, but top three goats of all time for you. No order. No order. No order. Okay. All right. That kind of that kind of helps. Um, are we just talking a goat in each sport? Are we talking goats just in general? How how, how are you? Uh, you're in general. I mean, okay. not not Billy the goat here. I mean, I'm talking goats. Great. I mean, Billy the goat would be in my on my list. So that's why Great. I had to. That's why I had to rephrase that. I like um, it. Um, no, top three, just all around. Like okay, any for me, sport. I'm going to go Tom, MJ, and this third one might be a little interesting, but I'm leaning. I'm going to go with Tiger Woods as the third goat. Okay. Tiger like Woods it. is my third goat because just because of what he did when – at that dominant of a time period from roughly 99 to 08, basically, was just ridiculous. So that's fair. That's fair. I, I that's uh, my three. What do you got? I like it. Uh, I'm going to go Tom Brady, still definitely in there. Uh, my second one is actually Serena Williams. 
She is the Ooh. goat of all goats, especially in her um the female tennis world. I mean, she just pure dominant from what was it, the early two thousands all the way through two thousand fifteen, two thousand you know, two thousand twenty even at times, right before the pregnancy happened. She was pure dominant at her sport and what she did. And then my third one here, we're gonna go to the Olympic side. Mr. Phelps, Michael. He went off man wow michael honestly that's a good one i like i like both of those is a goat of goats um you know jordan of course is a goat but like you know jordan did lose a little bit in the beginning unfortunately um especially the first two to three years four years it was before he started winning all the five to six straight finals i mean same thing could be said about kind of brady in that sense in the middle of there but you know when you look at serena williams you look at michael phelps and you Goats in her sport, man. Goats in her sport. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so tough, right? Because, like, it's everyone's got their own metric of goat. Because, like, I looked, I look at it in stretches, like, like what MJ did from 90 to 90, or what was it, 80? Is it 88 or 89 when he started winning? Or was it 90? I think it was 90, right? 90 to 98, right? when he won six and eight years basically tiger was dominant in that quick stretch of time and when you look at tom what he did pretty much his was more of a longevity type deal but what he did pretty much from 02 to roughly 2012 like that 10 year stretch unheard of too so and i think you're you're looking at more of the whole picture right like Mm -hmm. or even for like michael phelps like what he did from just in 2008 and 2012 alone exactly. gets you like puts you in that conversation. Right. So exactly. And another one like that, we don't even talk about either is Usain Bolt, like in terms of the Olympic side, like people don't really think about the Olympics in terms of like goat kind of status, but you got to like think about that time and like how great the athletes are to go to the Olympics in general. I mean, they're, they're the best in the world. That's the reason why they're there at the Olympics and for them to be that dominant in that sport. I mean, it's pretty good uh, you know i mean that's good case to be a goat in my opinion oh yeah 110 percent. all right so let's rephrase it now who would be because i think tom brady's arguably one of the greatest competitors of all time too would that so instead of goat top three competitor ever because i've got tom brady bill russell as a top competitor in like their sport and then the third one, I would actually probably go Serena Williams with how like her competition oriented or like competitor, like even like I think tennis would be more once they're like a Rafael Nadal, like competitive nature coming out in their sport. That's kind of tough. Like I'm gonna be honest, I, I competitor to me is just I think everybody's a competitor. Like, is it just like is it just like come out on the court or come out on the floor and be like, yeah, I'm a dog and I'm going to go win every time I go out. I mean, if we're going to start saying that, we're going to put like, I don't know, like Lou Williams out there. Like, I mean, he's a full fledged competitor. I mean, I don't really know. Like competitor is kind of tough for me. I, I'd have to like sit there and kind of think about it. Like that dog mentality is what I'm looking for. Sure. Uh, Tiger had that dog in him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm okay. Maybe I'll come back to ponder that ponder that one out for a week and we'll come back to it. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh let's come back to that. Let's come back to that. But were you so were you shocked about the Brady news or were you 50-50 or were you kind of expecting it? 
Come on now. You know I've been harping on this since this freaking the last freaking midway through the season. I thought it was a wrap for him this year. I mean, when he came back, you never when he retired the first time, it never really felt like a real retirement, right? It never really felt like he was gonna shut it down, especially with how he played last year. Like he was he finished second in the MVP voting, like arguably he won. You could have made the argument that he beat would have could have beat Aaron Rodgers out. Mm-hmm. He did all of the extra work, getting them back into that comeback with the Rams. Like he put everything on the line for that team and they lose on a on that play at the end, right? Mm-hmm. But like, and then it never really felt like a retirement. Yeah. But like, of course, timing-wise, perfect. You pick the the week in between the Super Bowl because no one cares about the Pro Bowl. Sorry, Pro Bowl, but it's it's not not, not no, no one's really no yeah. There's uh, there's no reason to yeah. It's kind of self-explanatory there. Um. Um. So then the next thing would be like if the way he did it last year, it was more like a message. It wasn't, but it, but it was already like previously announced through. Right. I don't know, Schefter did it. Schefter or released it like three days early. It was like, come on. So then he, yeah, then it was like a late, like, well, here it actually is since it's already out. So it wasn't really a push through from him. Um, where this one I think was very, very, very unexpected. Um, he did tell the Bucks before he did it, from what I saw. Yeah. That I mean, the video was like. It was authentic. He was like, I did my emotional part last year with coming back. Like, like if I'm retiring, like it's not happening again. Like it was insinuated with how it was articulated, but it was shortened to the point and direct, but mm-hmm. it had the raw emotion that you're kind of looking for. Agreed. And then also like, Hey, he pretty much told everybody the world, right? I'm going to play till I'm F and 45. That's how he would tell everybody. Like I'm playing till I'm F and 45. And he got to that point. I mean, this year probably insinuated with how everything went on on and off the field played a role. Like, and from what I understand from like hearing from other NFL reporters is that everyone was like Vegas, San Fran. But once he got like once him and Gisela officially divorced, like the kids are staying on the East Coast. Like, there's no way he's gonna make that big of a separation being a single dad. Like that was never gonna happen. Yeah. And then Miami pulled themselves out of the hat last week. Then you're like, it's Tampa Bay or nothing. And the way Tampa Bay kind of is restructuring stuff, firing Leftwich, and then with the whole Arian situation last year, putting Bulls in, just felt like there were so many unknowns with the Buccaneers. And at that point, it kind of laid itself out with how everything unfolded. But no, I'm not surprised because I honestly thought he was going to be done done anyway. Yeah, I mean, we've We talked about it countless times um, during the uh, exit, and we said that this was probably going to be it. And then especially after that game versus Dallas, we were like, yeah, I, I think it might be time for him to hang it up. Like, you kind of finally saw him come down to earth and look like a human being at 44 years old trying to pass the ball. Granted, you know, the offensive line was banged up. I understand that. But he just didn't look himself. He didn't look like the Brady from New England. He even looked like the Brady from Tampa Bay that led him to the Super Bowl twice. Or even the Brady from last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, good for him to hang it up. Hell of a career. I mean, the best career probably you could ask for a quarterback. If, you know, if you went back to him during the Michigan and got drafted in the was it sixth round. Um, and I, I said, remember he lost his job at Michigan. 
Yeah. Like that's what fueled this fire that he got. Yep. He got benched. Yep. Like, so, you know, looking in the future there, if, you know, at a crystal ball and you turn them and say, hey, you're going to play in this league 20 years. You're going to win six, seven Super Bowls, a couple MVPs, and you're going to be the greatest of all time. I mean, sign me I up. I'd be the first one in there, first one at the at the doorstep ready to go. Um, So kudos to him, man. Kudos to him. So, But that wasn't the uh, only news over the last day or so. We got a couple head coaching hires. Uh, D'Amico Ryans went to the Houston Texans. Big deal, six years. Um, you know, not surprised there. I think the Texans are going to take a couple years to rebuild. So not too surprised about the length, but I like it. Good pickup by the Texans for sure. Get a little firepower under that uh, defensive side of the ball. Hopefully they will finally actually not do this one-year deal and send away crap. Like they've done – like poor David Coley and Lovey Smith. Like Houston has been – a dumpster fire of an organization. I feel like they're kind of waiting for the opportunity to, of D'Amico to really showcase himself as he is a former Texan. So like that yeah. plays a role. So I'm really just hoping that they finally just like, all right, let the guy actually try and build a team here instead of you guys shutting it down and restarting every 13 games. It feels like for them. Cause like the season's over for them midway through the year. And then they're already pretty much thinking head coach. I agree. I think they need to take a similar role to what the Jets did with Robert Sala. You get the guy in, give him at least two to three years of just rebuilding. Like, there's no shot this team is going to win anything next year. I wouldn't be surprised if they're damn near the number one overall pick again. I mean, flat out say it here. The team isn't good. The roster's not good. But, you know, after two to three years, then you might see some uh, progression in terms of the right direction, especially the way the AFC South could maybe ponder out with maybe the Jags, you know, going up with the other two teams going down. So an open, it's an open division. So I agree. A quick, a quick so, turnaround is not far off for them. Agreed. Agreed. So I think it was a good move by them, but the biggest news of them all, Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos, um, Denver Broncos gave up uh, the first round pick that they received uh, from Bradley Chubb trade with the Miami yeah, Dolphins, Miami, which yeah. came from San Fran 49ers and, you know, was passed around like a, no, I can't say that word. This is a PG podcast. So, um, no, it's not. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, they gave up the 29th overall pick and a second round pick next year. And then the Saints um, gave back a third round and Sean Payton, of course. Blaine, thoughts on Sean Payton coming to Denver? I hate it. I really do. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I understand that, like, this was pretty much Rand Staley. I thought the Chargers were the correct spot if they were going to fire Staley, but it never felt like that was actually going to happen, even though we were kind of thinking, like, that it might happen. But now they just fired the OC, brought in Kellen Moore. I think Kellen Moore just upgraded, so kudos to him. But that's that's not what we're talking about. Um for Sean Payton, I'm just like, you're pit, you're gonna have to pick up a pieces of a quarterback that hit the definition of rock bottom from a superstar, like in a year. But is that on Wilson or is that on Hackett? Man, he's got to be a little bit of both. I mean, how? That, all right, but how does Hackett also get a job after this? Like, I don't. That was also beyond me. There's a. There's a lot of things that has happened this last week that like made no sense, but 
his options became kind of thinned out, right? It was going to either be, it felt like pretty much it was Denver or you stay in retirement or you go back to New Orleans. And it felt like he really wanted to get back into coaching. I never really kept Arizona in the picture or even in the discussion for him kind of going to Arizona. I don't think he, his system would really suit what Arizona is doing right now with Kyler Murray, et cetera. So it's going to be intriguing to see. I mean, I think he can make it work, but it's going to take time, But especially with, like, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. Kind of – Russell Wilson's got more athleticism, but similar stature, prototypical on their Hall accuracy. What's that? Hall of Fame quarterback. Hall of Fame decent quarterback. Decent wide receivers. Decent wide receivers, Good yeah. defense. Need work on the offensive the line, but – and then, no, the, the pieces are there for potential, but I mean, I thought he was, I, if I were him, I would have stayed and waited for another opportunity. All right, that's fair. My question, though, here is this because I've been oh, hearing a lot, a lot of, a lot, and a lot of people putting Sean Payton on like a pedestal of pedestal. No, he's Mike McCarthy, man. So here's my thing with this, right? If you had to say Sean Payton coming into the league, right, where would you rank him in terms of head coaches right now? Think about just off the cuff, you know, nothing, nothing. You don't got to think about it crazy here. So probably put him in the top ten. All right, top ten. I wouldn't say he's top five. That's fair. So I'm gonna run through a a couple different head coaches here, right? And you're gonna tell me. Blind, blind testing, right? Okay. If you need to write it down, write it down. I, I, this is on me. I should have put it in a Word doc and I should share the screen here. That's on me. But oh, here we go. Shocker. Not ready for the show. Unbelievable. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, but I, got written, I got it written down, though, so that's a good thing. Oh, right? so you're ready for yourself. You just didn't have it ready for ah, me. <laughs> yeah. So, All right, let's so, I got a, so I got a guy. I got Coach A, right? He has a 6-12 win percentage, one Super Bowl victory. Eight out of 13 seasons were winning seasons, and he went 10 and 9 in the playoffs. Okay. okay. Another, and then the coach B was a 631 winning percentage, one Super Bowl victory, had nine out of 15 winning seasons, and a nine and eight playoffs. Would you take coach A or coach B? Coach A. Okay. Okay. All right. Who's so, coach A? So coach A is Pete Carroll. Okay. Pete Carroll with Seattle. And Coach B is Sean Payton. Very similar, huh? Okay. Thanks, so. Right. so. So now that you know Sean Payton's, you know, it's a 631 winning percentage, one Super Bowl victory, nine out of 15 winning seasons, and nine and eight in the playoffs. I'm going to move to another guy here, right? So the next guy is a 620 percentage winning percentage, one Super Bowl victory, 10 out of 16 winning seasons. So one more uh, winning season than Sean Payton. And eleven and ten in the playoffs. Would you take that one or Sean Payton? Sorry, it's a lot of numbers here. I know you're not a mathematician, but no, I haven't done math since high school, so everything's kind of blowing into my head right now. I'm seeing stars. Uh, I'll go Coach A again, actually. Okay, Coach A is Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, we're talking about here. And last but not least, I, I I'm not gonna put. I'll put the numbers out there, but I will tell you the coach is uh, he has a 607 winning percentage, one Super Bowl victory, 
11 out of 15 winning seasons, and he's 11 and 9 in the playoffs. Sean Harbaugh. Time. It's John Harbaugh? Yes. So when people put Sean Payton, especially this last week I've been hearing, oh, Sean Payton, like he's almost as good as Andy Reid. I'm like, no, he's not. Because you got guys that God, who has been, especially Mike McCarthy, that has been walked through the dirt. His name has been ridden through the dirt and how bad he has made the decisions. But if you look at the clear stats in the end, he is the same exact head coach as Mike McCarthy. It pisses me off. Like, I couldn't believe it. I get it. Like Sean right, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that the numbers don't don't lie. No. My biggest thing would be if you're based off of what your team, what you want, which one would you take out of the two? Like Sean Payton or Mike McCarthy? Yeah, for you. Well, what would you do? I would take Sean Payton. Why? Because I think Sean Payton is a very good offensive-minded head coach. Personally. See, that's see, I know like I chose how I chose based off of like the blind Mike McCarthy. I feel like Sean Payton's better at building a staff. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. But like you know, I was having a couple discussions with a couple buddies, and I gave them the same exact blind test, and every single one picked Mike McCarthy based on the blind test and stats. And, and then, then they said, tried to defend it. Of course. And then what then they tried to flip it and was like, Well, I didn't know it was Sean Payton. I'm like it doesn't matter. I'm telling you the stats. And then I even gave him another stat where it was like, well, each one had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Because then they were trying to blame it on like, well, the roster, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I don't want to hear about the roster. They both had a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> if you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, that's a really, really, really good team. They'll be successful either regardless at that point. Exactly. And then it was then it turned into, well, what about the receivers that the Hall of Fame quarterback had to throw to? I was like, we're not talking about that. Now you're getting way too down the rabbit hole here. Push comes to shove, comes the stats. Sean Pay and Mike McCarthy on paper are the same, the same head coach. That's the that's the only point I was trying to prove. And I just got annoyed of it this all this week on social media saying, Oh my God, Sean Payton's like almost as good as Andy Reid. And I'm like, all right, no, like Andy Reid to me is like boom, like Bill Belichick, Andy. Okay. Reed. That's fair. It. Do you like the hire though? Do I like the hire? Yes. Cause there's nobody else better out there that can fit this job. You think Sean fits with this job? I think Sean fits great with this job. It, it fits exactly what he has done over the last 10 to 15 years with the Saints. Get a Hall of Fame quarterback, have a good defense, and have wide receivers or some sort of receiving core that can catch the ball from the Hall of Fame quarterback. Okay. Yeah, I see your argument. I'm going to throw this question back at you before we move on to breaking down what took place this weekend. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to ask. If they struggle this year, does Sean Payton have enough power to overrule Russell Wilson if they had to separate? If they struggle again, like if they struggle, if you had like a choose situation, if you had to choose at the that wouldn't be a Denver situation. That's what I mean. It would be a Denver. Denver struggles again this year, right? Okay. No playoffs. Let's just say they're a little bit better. A little okay. bit. Not much. Still struggle. Your offense can't get clicking. Your defense is the only reason to keep you in the game. You're picking one at the end of the year. Who are you taking, the coach or the quarterback? 
Um, I'm taking Coach Denon this time, this round, because now you have seen two years of Russell Wilson severely declining with his offense. And it, then that pretty much tells you that it's not the coach. It's Russell Wilson then at that point. Yeah. That's what I would I agree. However, I agree, but I feel like because with Russell of, Wilson. See, that's what that's the argument on the other side is that you might have a better chance of being able to get rid of you're stuck with so much money and there's nobody that's going to want to pick him up and trade for him because of the money and how bad he's played that you might have to let go of arguably your coach or you're going to be stuck with it another year and you're just then you have to go again. I mean, let's be honest, the Denver Broncos fans, the Denver Broncos GM, and the Denver Broncos owner will be at Sunday Mass every morning praying to the gods that Russell Wilson returns back and praying to God that Sean Payton can figure something out in Russell Wilson once again. Because if not, the franchise is dead for a couple of years. Hands down. Broncos Nation, let's ride! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get to uh, this past weekend. We had the championship games on the line. Can NFC... we do the dud of the game first? Uh. <laughs> Can we just get that one out of the way? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one first. It was the first game on the Sunday at 3 o'clock taking place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, as the Philadelphia Eagles hosted the San Francisco 49ers. And ladies and gentlemen, it was done by about 4.35 o'clock. Um, what time was kick? It was kick four? Three o'clock. Maybe nah, dude, the game was over by 3.30. Brady <laughs> um, goes Eagles, out, you knew it was a wrap. <laughs> that's true. The Eagles ended up winning uh, 31-7 in pure dominant fashion. Uh, Brock Purdy had to leave a game after the first drive after getting injured. Eventually, it was a UCL tear that he might need Tommy John surgery. Yeah, well, no, they said maybe a year. I heard they said uh, now it might be it might be Tommy John. Yeah, um, Tommy John. Then uh, Josh Johnson, the savvy vet. I didn't know he's been in the league fifteen years. That was an incredible stat. Yo, the about. man just knows how to figure out how to make an NFL roster. Facts. Like kudos to him. Like the man Facts. is just a journeyman, but he can make a roster when he needs to. Exactly. So he comes in, um, lasted a couple drives, ends up getting a concussion, getting knocked out. Purdy comes back in. He can't throw the ball, so he's just handing the ball off. CMC eventually threw a pass, and it was so bad. I was like, geez, I can get out there and try to sling the rock a little bit. Um, is it, but it was, was – was I'm trying to think. Is, is anyone one on that team a converted quarterback? Jawan like, Jennings was one, one, actually, and I don't know why I didn't throw him in. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. So, it was a route by the Eagles. The Eagles look great in the performance. Um, yeah, what did you what did you think? What was your takes? Oh my god! I mean, Eagles were dominant, but like, I was I've been telling everybody this. Like, if you somehow lose that game, like you're gonna that is the biggest choke job in NFL history. If you somehow found a way to lose that game, and it was seven seven midway through the second quarter, which made no sense. Mm-hmm. I was texting one of my buddies; he's a diehard Birds fan. He was like. The Eagles just make me want to gouge my eyes out right now uh, just because they can't get up on a set backup quarterback with Josh Johnson in there. And really? like, so the biggest thing for like, I'm trying to figure out was how do you, how do you really 
gauge what happened with San Francisco, right? Because the game never really truly took place. It was unfortunate. I mean, the Eagles played dominant how you're supposed to when now at that point when a team doesn't have a quarterback, you're supposed to run them out of the building. That's what they did, right? Mm-hmm. Sanders looked good. Hertz, Hertz was okay. I don't think he played great. I mean, he did what he had to do to get by. I mean, then you have the fourth down drop that was deemed that was a catch that Shanahan missed, but you don't see that on replay, apparently, according to him. But like if you ever see a wide receiver doing something that far out of character, it almost feels like you have to throw the flag at that point, right? Yeah, I agree. So I don't like Niners never stood a chance, in my opinion. I had the Niners winning the game, but like I didn't think I also thought Brock Purdy was going to be in the game. Now, like, if it's Tommy John, like, the biggest winner out of this is Trey Lance. He's just won himself back the starting job by doing nothing. Potentially, yeah. Potentially. No, I agree with you. Because even if it's it's not, he's going to be out several months. He's going to probably, if he gets back in time, it would be training camp. Like, if he's lucky at this point from what initial reports are, so – I don't know now. I mean, Eagles looked good. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I agree. I a uh, couple things that I would have taken is I, I think this game would have definitely been a lot closer if Brock Purdy's healthy and playing. Um, you know, I was telling all my friends, I'm like, they wouldn't have scored 31 points to be honest with you. I don't think the Eagles would have never got the 31, just because the fact is is that they had multiple three and outs, Sam Fran, and they weren't able to. Uh, you know, drive the ball down the field and said they got a punt. The Eagles have great field positions and countless times were able to get quick scores off of, you know, 50, 60 yards or less of a drive. So kudos to them. The Eagles were able to take advantage. Um, I actually think the Eagles kind of let up off the gas in the third and fourth quarter. To tell you the truth, they probably could have racked on some more. But the uh, the big no for the Eagles is, though, is they were able to run the ball on the number one running defense in the league, which I was very impressed with. I mean, they... On paper, it doesn't seem like they ran it a lot. It was, I think, 150 yards or 170 yards in total rushing yards. Mm-hmm. But it was big, it was like good chunk plays, like five, seven yards almost a carry. It seemed at times that Miles Sanders would get, or Boston Scott would get, or Jalen Hurts would get. So they were able to run the ball fairly well. But I also thought on the flip side, I thought San Fran's defense played fairly, fairly well as well. They were able to bat down balls. Uh, Nick Bosa was able to contain Jalen Hurts um, in the pocket most of the game, which was a very good sign to see as well. Um, I just thought they got costly penalties in third down plays or maybe in a fourth down play or, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, they had a couple false starts or delay games that kind of just derailed their their drives on the offensive side and just killed the momentum for the defense when they got their penalties on the other side. But you know, coming into it, I thought the Eagles were going to win. And that's just what exactly happened. So I think if Birdie's healthy, I still think the Eagles win. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I was thinking about it. I think it was on the way home yesterday. And I actually have gone um, eight eight out of ten. I've picked the right winners. I I suck. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what you are. The my only loss. I think are, I'm 500 right now. Okay, I was gonna say my only losses are on the NFC side, and it was the uh, the Vikings and Giants. I thought the Vikings were gonna win, and then the 
Oh, my God. There was another NFC wild card game that I'm missing. Wasn't th- Oh, Tampa Bay. We thought Tampa Bay was going to win. Do you here? I'll give you a little. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, stay tuned uh, to my new betting website. That No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, but yeah, no, good game by the Eagles. Uh, they move on to the Super Bowl located in Phoenix, and they will be facing the Kansas City Chiefs, who were victorious versus the Cincinnati Bengals in Arrowhead. Um, Cincinnati referred to, referred to it as Burrowhead, but it has switched names back to Arrowhead. Um, the Chiefs winning on a game-winning field goal by Harrison Bucker. Blaine, what do we think? Great football game. My, at least, honestly, I was just so thankful after that first game that we actually got a competitive matchup just because of how it unfolded in that first one. You were just like, I was honestly like, oh, crap. Because now it started to flowing through my head. Like, Mahomes already on a high ankle sprain. Like, he aggravates that, re-aggravates it, like, really bad. Like, he's out. Then Cincinnati romps him, and I'm just like, this will be brutal. But then, um, great football game. One-legged Patrick Mahomes outclassed Joe Burrow. Continued to show the difference between my art, my top two quarterbacks that I have in football, which is those two. So... Showed the difference between how much how much further Burrow has to get to Patrick Mahomes. And he hadn't ran all game, but when you needed it at the very most important moment, he made the play. Osai made a dumb decision. Nothing you can really do on it. That's the difference because I think it arguably goes to overtime if he doesn't commit that penalty there because Bucker would have to kick from 55 yards roughly, I think it was. If I remember where, because yeah. he kicked like a 40 yarder, right? So, yeah. and they had, they were saying that kickers were short in warmups all day long, and it only had gotten colder at that point. Uh, by the time the game was towards that point. Um, oh my gosh. Travis Kelsey, though, after the game was so freaking funny. Put you near your place, the jabroni. <laughs> right at the mayor. Right at the mayor. I I mean, uh, all of the trash talk, you could see that it w- Kansas City had those faces in those locker rooms throwing darts at them. They were like, ah, you, you have motive. You have awoken the beast. Like how we kind of, you said it last week a little bit with all the trash talk that this, this was going to potentially backfire on them, and it did. Yeah, so, bold, bold and Chiefs. board material. I just yep. saw what it was, bullets and board material. Um, two things I wanted to note, kind of what you said, is did you have a feeling this year's playoff games like had the expectations to be really, really good, but they weren't compared to like what they were last year? Like last year, we had so man. many games like come down to the wire. Like I, I can name two easily. Well, three easily right off the bat was the Tampa Bay and the Rams game. That came down to the wire. I remember the Tennessee and the Bengals game came down to the wire. And then um, Rams Bengals in the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, that, but I'm even thinking about the game, um, the Bills and the, and the, uh, the Chiefs McPherson won that whole, all of their games by a game winning field goal. Yeah. Like all those games were electric. Like I remember sitting down, I was like, holy crap. Like these games are like on top of you. You got to stay tuned throughout the whole thing. Where this year was like, honestly, you probably could have missed half of them and you could have lived your life and been okay. 
That's for which we kind of, which we kind of did. Yeah. Like I we agree. were turning them off by halftime on some of these games. Oh, yeah. Some of them get late, man. I get tired, man. I get sleepy. I'm trying to get to bed. I got to get up early. Um, the other thing I want to note, you know, you said Mahomes is kind of up here. Burrow's still second, but kind of down here. Does Mahomes having an offensive line, though, help that cause for him to be up here compared to Joe Burrow? Because Joe Burrow had three guys missing, and you saw the pressure get to him early. Right. No, I think that's a fair question. The one thing that, like, I think is that, like, even when he had the protection, he had an off night at the office. Like, he made some throws that, like, were perfect and, like, could have made plays on. But then he also – those two INTs are solely on him for forcing the football. Like, so, like, I think there was that separation there. Mahomes really – Kind of beat Burrow at his own game, but you're right. They had a lot more of an offensive line, but I felt like since he was one of their strengths on their defense is their up what they were up front, and they really didn't really touch get close to Mahomes really at all on Sunday. So that was one thing that was surprising me. So I think it's a fair question. I would have to say no, just because of I think Burrow. When he had the time, he still didn't wasn't delivered clicking on all cylinders when it mattered and when it's Joe Cool time, so to speak. That's fair. No, that's fair. I mean, you know, if you're looking at pure arm talent, I mean Mahomes is the best in the league to do it. Uh, yeah. you know, even when it comes to IQ, Mahomes is, you know, up there as a top five right there. So it's tough to beat him. But, you know, I was just kind of thinking about that is like, yeah, he did look off, but I think also the pressure really hindered him in terms of or hindered this team um instead of winning this game potentially versus Kansas City. You know, Chris Jones was getting in there nonstop. I think he had two sacks on the day. He looked really good. Yeah. I thought he was going to be the X factor. I said that last week he might come out and get a sack or two, change the game. And that's exactly what he did. Um but this Kansas City defense can play a little bit. They're they're a good ball. They're a good team. Um they got no wide receivers though right now. <laughs> Honestly, shout out to Marquez Valdez Scantling because that's what we I kind of we talked about last week was who was going to be the guy outside of Travis Kelsey and Kelsey ended up getting hurt in practice and honestly wasn't really a factor on Sunday. Marquez Valdez Scantling had like what 125 plus something like that. Like man, filled it up. And that was the one thing that I was kind of worried to see like who was gonna step up if Kelsey wasn't there and MVS showed up and showed out, even though they had arguably only three wide receivers available by the third or fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Kudos to him. Kudos to him. So, so yeah, Super Bowl 57, Phoenix, Arizona, taking place in uh, about a week and a half from now. Eagles versus Chiefs. We got well, I've the, got a game for you that yeah, we're going to play now. I know. We got the Andy Reid Bowl. We got the Kelsey Bowl. Nick Sirianni even played for the Chiefs, or, or uh, coached for the Chiefs at one time. So a lot it's of ties connect, to each baby. other teams. Yeah. So what play? What game we got here going, Blake? Oh, yeah, I got you. A little, snoo- little segment that we're going to play here. I'm, gonna, we're gonna, I'm calling it the rapid fire. Um, what we're going to do is that we're going to look at each position group and you're going to pick the team cuz we're not going to sh- we're not going to disclose our super bowl picks yet no nope. you know, but uh we'll give you guys a little bit of a taste and we'll look at each positional breakdown and give our uh, two cents on who's got the edge 
You were you with me on that? All in. All right, let's start. You know, let's just start at the top. Make it easy on us. I think we're both on the same page with uh, quarterback, but I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs because they got the best quarterback in football. I agree with you, Patrick Mahomes. Beautiful. Uh, the I'm gonna then you'll answer first here. What do you got at the running back position? Um, as much as I would like to pick the Eagles here with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, I'm actually going to take the other side here. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think uh, Pacheco runs really, really hard. He runs like he is a bull in a china shop. And on top of that, you got a great pass catching back and Jared McKinnon. I think this this tandems really complements each other very, very well. And I actually really like the Chiefs in the running back position. All right, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to take the three-headed monster from the Philadelphia Eagles with how just the depth, man. Like, Miles mm-hmm. Sanders, he's that primary dude. But, yeah, Boston Scott on third down. And Kenneth Gainwell, I think he is truly the X factor. If he usually gets a, is successful in the run game, the Eagles are almost unbeatable when he gets going. So when you get two out of the three guys from Philadelphia going, they're almost impossible because then you still have Jalen Hurts' legs on the other side. So you also, I think the quarterback's legs gives the rushing the running backs a little bit more of an edge there as well. But I do agree. Pacheco is runs like he has, like he's never going to play the game again after that one play, like yep. ferocious. And then McKinnon has turned into one of the greatest, one of the best receiving backs in football out of the backfield mm-hmm. right now. I agree. Okay, um, receiving core. We're gonna include tight ends into the receiving core. Oh wow. Okay. Or would you or would you want to separate? We can separate. Let's go wide receivers. Let's separate because you were like, oh wow. So wide receiver, wide receiver position, who you got? Well, if you if you put them together as like receiving core, it's a lot closer. But if you separate them, it's very I, I think it's a lot more different. I think receiving core, I'm gonna take the Philadelphia Eagles with AJ Brown, uh Devontae Smith. And uh, Quez Watkins, I will definitely take them any day of the week over Juju, MBS, and Sky Moore. That's all I have. Agreed. You have two number ones in Philadelphia, arguably, and they don't have a single number one. Like, I will go to my grave, and I've been on this train for the last two years. I think A.J. Brown is right now wide receiver top seven in the league right now, and he can move all his way up to top five. I agree with that. I think he's 100% in that discussion. Mm-hmm. I think he drops too many balls to put him in that top five discussion, though. He, he, dropped, a, he dropped a couple yesterday, last weekend that were layups. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. But, you know, his big game potential um, is there. He's able to catch a slant ball. He's able to catch a go ball. He's able to catch a corner route. I've Great. seen it all from him. So. Okay, fair. Tight end. I'm going Kansas City. Travis Kelsey is arguably the best tight end in football. I think Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football. I think he could potentially be one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. However, I do think it is rather closer than people think. Like, I think Dallas Goddard is a very good tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. I agree with that. I think he's knocking on the door of a top five tight end, or if he's not there already. Yeah, I was gonna say he he is. I think he's almost there. Five um, A or a five B type deal. I think he's right there. You let's see, Kelsey Kittle, Andrews, uh, Andrews. So you have three there. Then, then all, the next, at that point, it's kind of whoever you feel like you're more comfortable with 
looking at it, right? Correct. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, if I asked you this a year ago, you probably would have said Waller would have been four. Well, okay, 100%. now Waller's falling off. You know, and this year people liked Hawkinson. Okay, Hawkinson wants to go there. All right, well, Dallas Goddard has been fairly well and pretty good at his position in terms of the pass-catching side and the run-blocking side. So yeah. do I think Travis Kelsey is it? Yes. Is it closer than what people expect? Yes, because it's not the difference of, like, Kansas City's wide receivers versus – you know, the Eagles wide receivers. I think that's a big gap where this right. gap's a lot, a lot closer. Agree. All right. Offensive line. Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. Eagles. I mean, I Eagles. I mean, they have the best season. offensive line in the league. Lane Johnson, one of the best tackles to play the game right now. Jordan Mylotta, one of the best run blockers in the league. Uh, Kelsey's one of the best centers. I mean, yeah, we'll keep naming them. So. Yeah, and it's not like the Chiefs offensive line or any slouches or anything like that on the other side with Wiley and Wiley and the crew, but Eagles have just been so dominant this year and stacked on the offensive line. I don't think it's really much of a question mark. Yeah, like I think the Eagles have two, if not three pro bowlers, and I think the Chiefs have two pro bowlers, the yeah. guard and the center. Hum- is it Humphreys is his name? I'm not mistaken. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think okay. so. Yeah, we we probably should be better on our end, but that's on us. But, um, but yeah, no, I like it's kind of the same thing with um the tight end position. I think the right. Eagles are, you know, the number one clear cut number one, but the Chiefs are rather close. Oh, and then I forgot they also have Orlando Brown, who's a very 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 good tackle too in the league. So agreed. And then defensive line, um, I think this is. You got to lean Philly here, arguably the best defensive line to the, getting to the quarterback since the 85 Bears. But they have some slouch, no slouches on the other side for Kansas City, like how we laid out with Frank Clark and how Chris Jones can literally impact a game by himself. So, but I would have to lead with Philadelphia because they've got two lines deep that can get to the quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I think the Eagles have one of the best defensive lines in the league. I mean, Hassan Reddick was a pickup of all pickups. Great deal that they got. Um, going to shoot a question back here to you. Sure. They were talking about on the Philadelphia Sports Radio here, who oh, was boy. a better pickup for the Philadelphia Eagles, the A.J. Brown trade or Hassan Reddick pickup? Honestly, I would probably have to lean Hassan Reddick. Like, that's how much of an impact he has made on that defensive line on the edge. Like, he might not be the one getting the number, statistically speaking, but he is affecting the play, I feel like, more than A.J. Brown is on the offensive side of the ball. I think offensively they have so many weapons. I think the defense is so good because of how the defensive line gets to the quarterback and how Hassan Reddick is a monster component of that because he's never off the field. Okay. I disagree. Oh, you're A.J. Why? I think you're, you, you love the flashy. You're a big flash guy. No, I, come I, on. You don't like the the grit, what it takes to really show people what's all about getting down and dirty in the trenches. I'm a big trench guy. All right. I do like the yeah, trenches a little yeah. bit here and there, but um, here's my take is that Hassan Reddick was a freak this year with, I think over 16 sacks, if I'm not mistaken. They pick up a guy, they'll probably get at least six to seven sacks out of him, so maybe ten less, right? That still puts the Eagles, I think, as the number one team in the league in sacks still. However, um, we saw this offense and what it was last year when A.J. Brown wasn't there, and it didn't look the same. The passing game wasn't all there, but as soon as A.J. Brown there, he takes over that wide receiver one role, takes on the cornerback ones, 
helps Devontae Smith progress even more. I think this offensive um, exploded because he was able to come to this team and propel them even further than what they were last year or even what they were expected to be this year. Personally, that's the reason why I think A.J. Brown was a bigger pickup. All right, all right. Hassan Reddick did have a monster year in Arizona before he had a couple of years ago before he had left. Yeah, Arizona's right there with the uh, Denver Broncos with maybe one of the worst franchises right now. No, I'm kidding. Well, no, they're, they're close. Arizona's in a Arizona's a shit show right now. Let's yeah, just it's not. Honest. Sorry, Keegan, your team is gonna stink for a while. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to the linebacking group. What do you got? I think this is a toss-up, honestly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm late. I'm taking Kansas City. I think I'm also gonna have to go KC. Um, I think it's the system though, because of how Kansas City's more linebacker, for, more there, and then Philly's more of a five, five in the secondary type deal. Yeah, like I think it's systematic there because I think Spagnolo just knows how to use his linebackers perfectly for his scheme. Yeah, like the Eagles linebackers are kind of more on the unknown side of things. I mean, TJ Edwards, I know, is the one guy that always right. is usually you hear his name more often than not. But mm-hmm. um, on the other side, I think just Kansas City is a lot better in terms of that position. So, yeah, I'll take Kansas City there. Yeah, I think I think it's fair, especially when you've got Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, like two guys that have are extremely like they've got speed at the linebacker position too. Like those guys mm-hmm. fly around the field. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. And then secondary, what do we have? Uh, I'm definitely going to go with the Eagles there. Uh, James Bradbury's been playing out of his mind. Uh, Darius Slay's been playing good ball, too, as well. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson's been playing really good. Yeah. And then Avante Maddox may be back, too. So, you know, top-notch secondary. Don't get me wrong. Kind of the same way we've been saying all night. I think they're – I think the Chiefs aren't too far off, however. But – um, I just think the Eagles are are better. That's all. Agreed. And now the addition of Maddox coming back, like he, how he did lat these last couple of weeks in the postseason, has really kind of elevated them. Like they can run anything that they want in the secondary, and I think they've got the opportunity to truly match up well with a scheme set to kind of minimize Kansas City's deep playability. With like you said, Bradbury and Slay have been lights out. Gardner Johnson has is arguably one of the best slot corners in the game. And then you have the depth in the back with Avante Maddox coming back now too. And then even, I can't think of his name, but the one that was filling in for Gardner Johnson, that rookie out of that rookie out of, I can't remember. I'm not going to get the name right. So I'm not going to try, but he was doing well too. Is it Singleton? Yeah. Something like that. Might be. I think I know you're talking about, but yeah. Um, Yeah. I just got so much depth, man. Yeah, I think they they play well. Um, yeah, it's I, I mean, it seems like on paper. I mean, I didn't keep track here, but it's definitely leaning more to the Eagles side of things. I think the positions that the Eagles have is a lot better than the Chiefs. Um, let me rephrase that. They're not a lot better. I just think they are a better unit than the Chiefs right now on paper. Um, but and yeah, no, it's fair. And then the last thing is special teams. Who has the edge there? I think I would go Kansas City special teams wise. Arguably, Butker is one of the best kickers in the game. I think he's arguably behind Justin Tucker, the second best kicker in football. 
Uh, yeah, when he's I, healthy, but he hasn't been healthy all year. So. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. And also, the Eagles punter looked like crap this week. Oh, he was awful. He was horrendous. All right, did he hit the wire? Do you think he actually hit the wire? I don't know. That was that big thing on that, like, 20-yard punt. I did see that. Punt. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, I don't know. I think he honestly just shanked it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I got glasses for a reason. I can't see, so, you know, hey, blind out here, so. Hey. Yo, we're not done, though. We got one more. And I told you, this is one of the biggest things, and that's the reason why the Jaguars won that game versus the Chargers head coach. The Andy Reid bull for a reason. It's Kansas City. I would have to lean. Andy Reid's been there, done that. Sirianni, up-and-coming coach, hasn't been in this type of environment. Give me the guy that's been there and has already done it, Andy Reid. That's fair. And he's – Right now, you could make the argument that he is the best coach in football. So, best coach in football, right now. Right now, yeah. Okay. All right. You can make that argument. Yeah, you can make that all time. Not of all time. Okay. All right. I just had to check. Talking about present and the right now on and out of the thirty-two. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Just just had to just had to check in on that one. Just had to check in on that one. But uh, you're always testing my buttons. Yeah. So. Definitely a lot of leans to uh, the Eagles, but maybe some of the big ones were leaning towards the Chiefs there. So stay tuned for next week, that's for sure, and then we'll make some picks there and uh, give some uh, give some good analysis of what we kind of expect to happen. Maybe some player props, man. I'm down for a betting segment. Add that in. Rihanna's Rihanna's. Hey, always got to do the coin toss one. Always do that as a prop. Always hit the coin toss because it's like the only time they ever do it. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you got that. Rihanna's performing at halftime. So what's her first song going to be? You got to put a bet out there for that. Over under on the national anthem. Always take the over because they always milk it. And of course, the Gatorade color. Always got to go the Gatorade color. Yeah, I think we'll do, let's do it. We'll do that. We'll add that in next week because we did the. We just did the advantages this week, so you can add that in. Agreed. Whole Super Bowl breakdown. Agreed. So busy weekend in Phoenix, though. Next weekend, man, they got the uh, the Super Bowl going on, and then they also have the waste management. Open. Yeah, that place is gonna be freaking rocking, man. Yeah, one of my buddies was looking into potentially getting a flight down there to go to the waste management, and then just hang out around side the Super Bowl. And if the tickets went down just enough, he would maybe go. They're yeah, up. They're like five grand right now. Yep, they're over five grand right now. So, yeah, not the not the best for the price. Not, a, time, not ideal. <laughs> no, not ideal at all. But uh, you know, I I was talking to a lot of fans around here in Philadelphia, and I said, in the area right now, it just doesn't feel like it has the lackluster as it did in seventeen, when the Eagles won won before. Um, it hasn't more of like, well, we're kind of expected to win not like we're the underdog. So it's a very weird feeling here right now in the Philadelphia area on the uh on the sports broadcasting world and then even just in the surrounding oh, area. Yeah. It's it's that feels a little different. They're it's definitely like, the favorites right now. Like agree. And it's I don't think it's and I think it's more clear cut and dry than people actually think, especially with Mahomes little hampered stuff like that. Like there's so many other variables that have kind of like, all right, Philly, like if you're going to get it done, this is it. Like mm-hmm. it's all like the stars are aligned for this to like be a Philly, Philly opportunity. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, we're going to see what it 
brings next Sunday. Um, stay tuned for next week. We'll, uh, we're going to be back on the airwaves may have a guest hop on with us as well. We're supposed to be on another podcast as well. Blake, what podcast is that supposed to be? Oh, the unpopular podcast, a great, uh, great little podcast that uh, gets done. <laughs> He's a Washington fan too. So we're always going to be on the same wavelength. Joe, Joe will like him. He's a lot smarter than we are, but that's okay. There we go. Blake, <laughs> uh, Blaine is a closet Cowboys fan. You can see a picture of him wearing a Dak Prescott jersey. Uh, it's on the social media, baby. Check out the Instagram. It's there. So, uh, yeah, he was on with uh, Go Talk with Marcus. Yo, I was so hurt by you because you were texting me while you were watching the bloody thing, but you had, didn't have the audacity to come on. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, go tune back to that. See Blaine wearing the Dak Prescott, the closet Cowboys uh, jersey coming out of him there for sure. Yo, my dad was so close to disowning me. He texted me on Sunday. He was like, how motherfucking dare you? <laughs> I was like, dad, I'm so sorry. I lost a bet. He was like, I'm not talking to you, but I will eventually forgive you for this epidemic. That's, <laughs> That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, yeah. So go tune into that. Of course, as always, um, Make sure you subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Make sure you follow on all the listening platforms. Um, we'll try to post every week. Try to hop on here, talk some sports, of course. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, make sure you tune in. Follow all the socials, of course, too, on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. All the nine yards there. Even Blaine's on TikTok there. He's doing his thing over there. The little golf content, of course, so. It is what it is. It's, Have you seen that one where I do, do the golf swing and I try and look like I'm Tiger? <laughs> no, it's, not, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Go talk with Tiger, you know. <laughs> um, we have fun here. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure you all tune in for next week, Super Bowl predictions um, and much more, of course. So uh, as always, final whistle, calling it in. Blaine Spencer, Joe Chigaletti, signing off.